Minehead Baptist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday the 10th of September 2023. Hello and welcome, thank you once again for joining me. My name's James and I'm the web guy here at NBC. This week we started a new series looking at 1 Thessalonians and Alec looked at what every church should be. The reading is 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 1 to 10. So let's go and join Alec now as he's introducing the service. For any that don't know me, my name's Alec. Our pastor and his wife are here this morning, but it's the last day of their holidays. <laughs> Was that a, a shout of joy because you finished your holidays? Because <laughs> they're so pleased to get back to work that they're shouting for joy. <laughs> anyway, the, the notices are all on your notice sheet. But I just want to emphasise two of them because we haven't had a second service for several weeks. This Evening at six o'clock, there is Cafe Church at the Hub. And next Sunday, there is a four o'clock service, which will include communion and a bring and share lunch, of tea rather, a bring and share tea afterwards. So you've got in the habit now of no one goes to church twice because there's not two services. Well, you can go a second time today to the Hub at six. You can go a second time next week. Or if you choose to only come once, you can come at four instead of eleven, or ten rather, if you like. The other important notice this morning is we're starting a new term session, whatever you want to call it, with the children and young people. And we have to fill in a form for every individual child to do with safety and health. And you know what I mean, all those sort of things. So please, when the children and young people go out, will a parent go with them? to sign those forms, um, which they have to be signed. You can't have your children going there week after week if you as a parent have not given your permission or whatever. So please do that. Other than that, I think everything's on the sheet and everything's been on there. Over to Roy. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Alec. Right, right Sam. Welcome, but of course you know me well. Psalm 81. Sing praises to, our, to God our strength. Sing to the God of Jacob. Sing. Beat the tambourine. Thank you. <laughs> Play the sweet lyre and the harp. Right, we haven't got those. Blow the ram's horn at new moon and again at full moon to call a festival. Who's heard a ram's horn? Yep, there's a few of you. Right. Well, to introduce our first song, we're going to play the ram's horn, or as it's known, the shofar. As we move into, into sessions, um, I'd just like to start by reading the words of a very old hymn. And it goes like this. Prayer is the soul's sincere desire. 
uttered or unexpressed, the motion of a hidden fire that trembles in the breast. Prayer is the simplest form of speech that infant lips can cry. Prayer that's sublimest strains that reach the majesty on high. Prayer is the Christian's vital breath, the Christian's native air, his watchwords at the gates of death. He enters heaven with prayer. Prayer is the contrite sinner's voice returning from his ways while angels in their songs rejoice and cry, Be holy praise. O thou, o, thou by whom we, <coughs> o thou by whom we come to God, the life, the truth, the way, the path of prayer itself has trod. Lord, teach us how to pray. I wonder if we could start by um, praying for those who are unwell. And um, I wonder maybe if you just call out a few names, if I have a, about a few seconds of... Uh, Silence while you call out names and then maybe we'll carry on with the prayer. Hazel Jones. Father, we pray for all these people who are unwell. We pray for your healing. We know your healing doesn't always happen exactly as how we'd expect it to. But we just pray for healing in these lives, emotional healing, physical healing, and just that they know your presence with them, that they just sense you there, just helping them along the way. Mm. Father, we pray too, as the children have gone back to school now, we just pray that you give them courage there to stand up for you, amongst all the influences that just bombard in their lives. We pray they'd be able to share their faith with those around them, that they'd shine for you and that people would see they're different. Just protect them, we pray, and keep them close to you. We pray too for the Christian teachers. We pray they'd be salt and light, especially those children who know little of love or joy in their own home environment. Just be with these teachers. Let them bring help, encouragement, strength, and just let them be your light to these, the people who just have got very little light in their world. And we think too of the bookshop, Father. Bless Simon and all the helpers at Under the Rainbow. We pray that you bless the conversations that take place. For you to encourage, bless and challenge those who come into that place. Just pray that they'd have good conversations. That their minds would be turned towards you. And that they just start to think on Christian things. And we think, too, of Christian doctors and nurses, Father, under so much pressure, but also so much pressure, too, maybe not to be able to share their faith when they really want to, to be sacked sometimes for just praying with someone. Just pray that you protect these people, give them wisdom, and just to give them encouragement, and let them just be light in this area. And we think, too, of the Gideons. We just pray for new opportunities, as sometimes doors are closing in certain places, just pray that you'd open ways into new schools, into new hotels, that you'd help them in the prisons too. Bless this work, Father, we pray, and pray that many would come to know you through the Bibles that are given out. Just encourage those who go into these places and just let them know your blessing. And let them just see things happen that are just so special. And we think uh, the Father Field 
of the earthquake in Morocco this week and a terrible loss of life. It's a country where few know you as their Lord and Savior. We just pray into this horrible situation for you bring hope, you bring comfort, and you bring help. And lastly, Father, we pray against the wars that are taking place in this world. Mm. Terrible loss of life in so many places. Father, we pray against the evil men, the oppressive dictators who would cause so much trouble and so much misery to the people in their nations. We just pray for freedom for these people, just better leaders, and that you just work in these situations and just overthrow evil and overcome evil with good. Father, we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Jenny once had this picture of the barn, wasn't it? Jenny, what was the, 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 the barn that was bursting? Yeah, yeah. It was a huge, a huge barn. I won't go into the whole story of what business was around, but it was, a, it was an assurance from God that our prayers had not been um, not listened to, not been forgotten. And this huge barn, suddenly the doors opened and it just poured out. I don't know what it was, grain, whatever it was, just poured out and poured out. And I knew then that what we had been praying for would happen, and it did. Praise God. I'll let you into the story another time. <laughs> Wonderful healing. <laughs> but the Lord hears all our prayers. Now, we're going to sing a, a song which is possible. It was new to us, um, well, new to some of us on Saturday, yesterday. Um, it's called There Is a Hope So Sure. Does anybody, does anybody know this? Good? Yes. Oh, that's right. So, well, we've got Steve singing along with us then. Thank you, Steve. Um, we'll we'll sing we'll sing the first verse and and then and the chorus and then you can join in. There is a hope so sure. The reading this morning is from one Thessalonians. So it's the first chapter. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, in spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy 
given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Thanks be to God for his word. Amen. And as Alec comes to bring us God's word, you just pray for Alec, Lord. We pray for your, for your blessing, for your anointing on him, Lord. We pray for ourselves that we may have open ears, open minds, open hearts to receive your message this morning, Lord. Just pray for Alec now. Bless him and anoint him. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As I've told many of you before, I've been preaching since I was about 18. And as you all know, because you were singing a couple of weeks ago, I'm now 80. And proportionately, I think I've preached more out of this book than any other. I don't say I've preached more than this out of, say, John's Gospel, but when you look at the size of it, I reckon I've preached more out of this book, 1 Thessalonians, than any other. For the obvious reason that it was being written to such a good church. And you're sort of thinking, well... You're encouraging whatever group you're with, whatever church you're with, whatever people you're with, you're encouraging them to be that kind of people. This was written to a church, and as we know very well, that's not written to a building, that's not even written to a meeting, it's written to a group of people who know God as their father through their faith in Jesus Christ. He says to the church and Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, this is written to people who know God as their Father because they've got their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he gives them this lovely greeting, grace and peace to you. On the end of the order of service today, it says at the end, um, the blessing. I think I might just, get that, just say those two things. Grace and peace to you. Grace. We all know what grace is, I hope. It's God's goodness that you have not and never deserved. And it's God's goodness at Christ's expense, as we used to say. G-R-A-C-E. Goodness at Christ's expense. So Paul's saying, I want you to just enjoy God's goodness. What better blessing can you have to say to anybody? And then he says also, peace. Again and again, when I'm preaching, when I'm thinking, I keep going back to old hymns, old songs. There's a peace in my heart that the world never knew. A peace it cannot take away. That sense of peace. That lovely old hymn, it is well with my soul. I want you to have that kind of peace. I want you to have that kind you see, when Jesus promised peace, he certainly didn't promise there wouldn't be any wars. In fact, he did exactly the opposite. There will be. He didn't promise there wouldn't be any trouble. 
One of his promises that I don't particularly like is in this world you will have trouble. I mean, that's just as much a promise as any others. In this world you will have... He didn't say you won't have trouble. He didn't say there won't be wars. But what he says is you can have peace. A peace in your heart, a peace in your soul, a peace. So Paul writes to them and he, he gives them this lovely greeting. I want you to know God's goodness knowing very well you've never owned it and you don't deserve it. I want you to know God's peace. If I said nothing else this morning, I could say that to you. That's what I want. That's what I want. That's what you need. That's what we want. This sense. But it is written to this particular church, which is a very good church. Verse 7 into 8. You became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. You are a church with a tremendously good reputation and your reputation has spread. What a thing! What a church! And this is not in the days of internet when someone's been to the church and puts it on Facebook or whatever. What a wonderful church I went to this morning and it spreads. This must have been a fantastic church because the, the reputation of this church spreads in a day when there were no telephones, there were no letters, let alone the internet. And yet the the reputation of this church spread because they, it was such a good church. And it's easy this morning, we can come together and think, well, could God write that about this church? Good question, isn't it? Could, could, could Paul, in our day, could somebody like Paul write that to this church? But I don't want you to think about that this morning. Because if you start thinking about that, you might start thinking about, well, well, no, because of... Isn't that possible? No, because... Well, you know what she's like. You know what they're like. You know, that's what doesn't fit. I want you to think this morning, could God say this? Could someone write this to you? To me? It's written to a church, but I want you this morning to take it personally. Does this apply to me? Does this apply to you? Never mind the person beside you. Never mind the person behind you, in front of you. Does this apply to me? The story of a told of a person who loved to sit on the front row when the preacher was preaching because in his mind he could direct the sermon. I know where she sits. She needs to hear that bit. I know where they sit. They need to hear that bit. Well, this morning, I hope there's bits you need to hear. Let's ask ourselves, does this apply? I want to turn our attention in this chapter to two, what I would call, triplets. In verse 3, we continue to remember before God and God and Father, your work produced by faith, 
your labour prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus. Your work produced by faith, your labour produced by love and your endurance produced by hope. And the other triplet is down in verse from nine, the end of verse 9 into verse t, 10. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, to wait for his son from heaven. You turned, you serve, you wait. Another triplet. And these are all based, really, on the words of chapter 4, verse 1. Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. I'd love someone to say that to me. We've instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Wouldn't it be nice if someone said that to you this morning? You know, you've, you've been taught how to live in order, in order to please God, and that's what you're doing. That's why I want you to take it personally this morning, is this. So let's look at these two triplets, if that's the right expression. First of all, he talks about the first triplet, verse 3, your work produced by faith. Your work produced by faith. Well, I think James had quite a bit to say about that, didn't he? When he talked about, you know, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. Chapter 2 of, verse, of James, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. We prove our faith by action. Faith without works is dead. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, it talks about being cleansed. And that's the wonder of us. It's the wonder of our salvation. We have been made clean. But then it says we've been made clean so that we might serve the living God. Excuse me, I forgot my water. Can you just bring it over? Thank you. We have been made clean so that we might serve the living God. Thank you. God doesn't take dirty servants. We've been made clean so that we might serve him. Thank you. We are called to serve God. He has saved us, cleansed us, accepted us, and then we are called to serve him. And he says, you people, you, in the, you people in your church, you, individuals, that's what you're doing. Your, your faith has caused you to serve. And so we should serve God, so we should serve God, because we should. But that wasn't their only motive. They didn't just serve God because that's what they should do. It goes on to say, 
that. Also, it talks about your labour prompted by love. They didn't just serve because they were meant to serve. They were called to serve. They served because they loved. They served because they loved. What scriptures, what does Jesus say? Talk about, you know, the great commandments. Love the Lord your God. Why do we serve him? Because we love him. Why do we love him? Because he first loved us. We serve him because we love him. But Jesus also said, love your neighbour as yourself. Why do we serve people? Out of love. And then then there's that really, I think, quite strong one that comes in. Love one another as I have loved you. I mean, to me, that really puts the, wow. (laughs) When I think of the sacrificial love of Jesus, and he says, love one another as I have loved you. And so he, Paul and Paul with Silas and Timothy, they're saying to these people, you're workers, you serve. You serve because that's what you should do. But you're not just motivated by what you should do. You're motivated by the fact that you love the Lord. You're motivated by the fact that you love people. You're motivated by the fact that you love one another. And folks, love is not all about gooey feelings. Love is about action. You don't have to feel, oh, isn't she lovely, before you can do something for her. You don't have to feel, isn't he a wonderful chap, before you can do anything for them. We are called to serve because that's what we should do. But we're called to serve out of love. But then, also says, your endurance, your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. They'd got a hope. And when it talks about their endurance, they knew what suffering was like. In verse 6 it says, you became imitators of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. In spite of severe suffering. As Roy and Jenny and many others would know, and we have various prayer letters that come through, there are a lot of people who, when they become Christians, that's when their trouble starts. That's when their suffering starts, with a terrible persecution. There are millions of Christians in this, in this day and age who suffer for their faith. It doesn't put you off, because you've got a hope. Your endurance is motivated by hope you know what's ahead you know what's coming you know where you're going so you're going to keep going I know there's an old saying when the going gets tough the tough keep going that should be true of us as Christians I don't know what you've been through I don't know what you're going through I don't know what you're going to go through but all I know is whatever we go through And as Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. Whatever we go through, we keep going. Why? Because we have a hope. I'm pinching the the sermon from a few weeks' time when it's all about the second coming. But if you hear the same thing two or three times, it's because you need to be encouraged. Come on, folks. Christianity is not all about this life. Christianity is about eternity. Amen. Amen. Someone said, amen. Christians are about eternity. Some of you have only got 
I don't know, I'm 80. Some of us only got a few years left. Some of you might be thinking, well, I've got another 50, 60, 70 years left yet. How do you know? We don't, do we? We don't. But they knew what was ahead and so they endured. Let's go and look at the second triplet. The notes in the um, NIV study Bible at the bottom say, says, these are three marks of true conversion. These are three marks of true conversion. They turned, they served, they waited. Three marks of, tr- of a true Christian. They turned, they served, they waited. They turned. It says they turned, they turned from idols. They turned to God from idols to serve the living God. That's repentance. That's repentance. They, they turned away from going their way. We don't have idols that sit in the corner of the room, you know, carved, not in many in, in our... But we have idols. We have... They even call things pop idols. All kinds of idols. You can make an idol out of sport, out of hobbies. You can make an idol out of money. You can make an idol out of all kinds of things. I mean, I sometimes, I know quite a lot of people here, you're really into sport, and I am. I'm so pleased that every, every moment of Essex cricket these days, I can get it on the internet. I can assure you I don't watch all of it on the internet, but I love it. But I mean, some people are so fanatical that they never miss a match. Never miss a match. It's become their God. Some people get so bound up. You can record it these days, but it used to be, got to get home, such so-and-so's on in half an hour, so-and-so's on in ten minutes. And it becomes a big thing in their lives. Can't miss my favourite programme. Can't miss my favourite team. Oh, I must spend time on my, my money on my favourite hobby. I'm not decrying any of those things, but they can become our idols. But the biggest idol you've got, and I've had in the past, is called self. We're living for self. There was quite a big article in the Daily Telegraph this last week, and it was talking about this country no longer needs religion. It wasn't saying it as a fact, because they've got the religion of I. The religion of I. What's good for me? What will I enjoy? What's the government doing for me? What are my rights? Instead of what can I do and what are my responsibilities? Turning. But it basically means turning from sin. Whatever the idol is, turning from sin to serve God. I used to lead a group of young people with um, an illustrated um, Bible study. And repentance was shown like this. There was a car in one direction. On the other side of the page, there was a car going in the opposite direction. One was heading towards looking after self. One was heading towards serving God. And he says to these people, you have turned. You've turned from to. You've turned from self. You've turned from this. You've turned from whatever the idol may be. You've turned. And then he says, you have turned to serve the living God. As we saw earlier, they laboured, they served. You see, our turning is not genuine. 
if we don't serve him. We were made for him. Sometimes we always think God is up there for us, which is true. But God wasn't, wasn't created for your benefit. We were created for him. We were created for his glory. We were created for his pleasure. We were made for him. He says you turned, but you didn't just turn. You turned away from, but just, just away from, to serve. Sometimes Christians are referred to as servants. Servants of the Most High God. And then it says, you've turned, you serve, and you wait. You wait. You wait for the Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Not a nice word, is it? You pronounced it very well. You made it sound horrible. The coming wrath. That's true. It's, come on, folks. The world is under the wrath of God, unless we turn away. We don't like to think about that. Oh, of course, God's a God of love, God's a God of mercy, God's a God of grace. Wonderful, it's all true. But the scripture talks about the wrath of God to come. And as you've turned, but you're, you're not waiting for the wrath of God. You're waiting for the glory. You're waiting for the goodness. You're waiting for what's coming. And while they were waiting, they were active. There's two kinds of waiting, you know. If you're waiting for a bus, not much you can do, is there? You just stand at the bus stop and wait. I suppose these days you can get your... I haven't got a modern one, but, but basically you just stand and wait. It's not that kind of waiting. If the plumber is coming and he says, I'm not sure, quite sure what time I'll get there today, but I promise I'll be there before five o'clock. You don't sit from 8 o'clock until 5 o'clock on your backside doing nothing. While you wait for him to come, maybe you work from home and you can get on with your work. Maybe you've got some housework to do. But you can be active and waiting at the same time. And these Christians, they were waiting. They were waiting. They were looking forward. He's coming soon. He's coming. But while they were waiting, they were active. You know, if we're not careful, I think it's more true of the Christians of this country and the Christians of America and some of this sort of area. If we're not careful, Christianity becomes all about this life. You know, what God can do for us now. The wonderful fact that God can give us joy. The wonderful fact that God can give us peace. The wonderful fact that God can, you know, we can do all of the things that God can and does do for us now. We, but Christianity is not all about that. James puts this into perspective. James chapter 4 in verse 14. You are but a mist that appears a little while and then vanishes. You know what it's like? You get up in the morning, you look out, it's misty. Half an hour later, the sun's burnt it off, it's gone. It's so short. With people in the church over 90, that's about that long compared with eternity, isn't it? In fact, it's not that long. What God does for us in this life is wonderful. I'm glad of the peace, I'm glad of the joy, I'm glad of the security, I'm glad of all of that. But that's nothing to what's to come. And he says, you, you people, you're, you're busy, 
But while you're busy, you're looking forward. You are looking forward. So, do all of these things fit me? Do all of these things fit you? Work produced by faith, labour motivated by love, endurance inspired by hope. You have turned to God to serve and to wait. Let me finish by stressing that last one, that waiting, that hope. We're going to sing one or two more, two more songs we're going to sing. And they're songs about the future. They're songs about the second coming. Are you sure? Are you sure? If Jesus came today, are you sure? And some of you nodding. I'm glad to see you nodding. Are you sure you know? Because he's writing to a people and he said, they know. They're ready. I've said before, and I'll say again, if in a thousand years' time Jesus hasn't come back, it won't alter the fact he's coming. He's coming because he promised it. And if he comes today, don't be surprised. Well, I suppose I will be, but you know what I'm saying. (laughs) You you, you know what I'm saying? Because we don't know. There are signs, and there have been people in the past that think, oh, the signs have all been fulfilled. But they were wrong. And a lot of people are saying in these days, oh, the coming of the Lord is very near, and I tend to feel it, but what if we're wrong? He is coming. And in the meantime, if you die before he comes, Paul says, absent from the body is present with the Lord. Got that assurance? Got that assurance. I love to listen to Christian songs, Christian music. Old-fashioned we still buy CDs. I'm, looking for, I'm looking, for the, looking for the man from the Bible shop. I've ordered one this week and it hasn't come. Or last week and it hasn't come. <laughs> but I, I, I often go to the internet, go to YouTube or whatever, and look up Christian souls. And there's one song I've been going to quite a lot lately. It's called Almost Home. Anybody else seen, seen that song? No, Almost Home. Matt Papa and Matt Boswell singing Almost Home. And it's about the fact, you know, I don't, don't know, I, we're getting close. We're almost home. And one's got a guitar and one's got the piano. And the pianist at one time, he takes his right hand off the piano and he goes, we're almost home, we're almost home. Keep pressing toward that blessed shore. Praise the Lord, we're almost home. I want you just normally to have that sense of excitement. We're almost home. It could be today. It could be that you're quite young and you've got another 60 years to live yet, but we're almost home. This church lived with commitment to the Lord. They lived with service to the Lord. They lived with love. It's a tremendous church. But they were at the same time. It's not all about here. It's not all about now. It's about we've got something to look forward to. And when the Bible talks about hope, because these people are living in hope, it doesn't mean, oh, I hope Brighton win next time. <laughs> you still hope. Still, still, it's, it's not about that, is it? This is a confident assurance. This is an expectation. Not I hope it's going to happen. I'm expecting it to happen. I just want to leave you with this thought. Are you? Are you? Have you turned? 
Are you serving? Are you expecting? And if you have any doubts at all, if you have any doubts at all, I'd ask you when everybody else is going out to have a coffee, you stay and talk to me or maybe talk to Roy and Jenny or whoever and we'll talk to you and pray with you and help you. Because I want everyone to go out here this morning saying, yeah, there's bits of there that perhaps don't fit as well as they should. But I want you to go out this morning, yes. Yeah, I know where I'm going. I know what's coming. I'm looking forward to that glorious day. Amen. And before I just get down, can I just say to the parents, if your children are in the younger two classes, you'll need to go and get them. Okay, they won't just come through. You'll need to go and get them. Thank you, Roy. Thank you, Alec. Thank you very much. It's, it's, it's lovely. When, listening, to, listening to Alec, it just made me realize why the Lord put me on my heart to teach you that song this morning. There were you which you didn't know, apart from Steve. There is a hope so sure. And we're not going to sing it again, but we're going to sing another song, which is, uh, which is, a, which is a hope so sure. There is a day, you know, there is a day that all creation's waiting for. We're waiting for it. A day of freedom and liberation from the earth. doubts for yourself please come and talk to me go and talk to Roy, Jenny I'm sure even, even Paul wouldn't mind if his day off <laughs> um, come and talk to somebody we want you to know the reality of that I said at the end I'm supposed to be giving the final blessing but how about if we just keep saying these words to each other grace and peace to you turn around and say it to somebody grace and peace to you grace and peace to you grace and peace to you and one last time grace and peace to you all grace and peace to you all Amen one last song yeah we'll take up the offering what a good idea To leave a comment, please go to myinhead-baptist.com slash sermons. Well, thank you once again for listening, and I'll speak to you soon.